0: Hey folks, John Curry here and Jay Wolf. Welcome to another episode of the Secure Retirement Podcast. Today I'm sitting across the table from this lovely lady named Beth Gladden. Beth, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, good afternoon.
0: I am looking forward to this conversation because I know there are so many things that you can share and help other people out there. But would you first just tell us a little bit about your background? Who is the real Beth Gladden?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll go way back. I grew up in Miami. Uh, Born and raised, a native Floridian, and uh, I attended Florida State University and Berry College in Miami. Got my teaching degree. Uh, I taught a couple of years in Miami and also a few years in Broward County and moved to Tallahassee in 1985. Uh, After a little while, found a teaching job here and uh, loved it teaching middle school, crazy as that sounds. Uh, I then went to work for the Department of Education for almost 10 years. And then a couple of years before retirement, I returned to teaching because I missed the kids. I missed that interaction every day. I think it keeps you young, keeps you on your toes. Uh, so I, that was my career. I retired when I was uh, 62, and uh, I am loving being retired
0: that's great let's fast let's just rewind for a second from the standpoint of some people listening to this and they hear you say you left the department of education to go back to teaching they say are you kidding me at that point you're going back into that jungle <laughs> of dealing with those kids i am
1: going back <clears throat> to the craziness yes and i think people say that you have to be a little crazy <laughs> To really enjoy teaching, but I truly, truly loved it. I never wanted to be anything but a teacher.
0: What did you love about it?
1: Uh, I I just love the interaction every day. And even though education is very structured and you're, you know, the bell rings and, you know, things move on through the day, there's really no two days that are the same. You, you have differences every day and that uh, just feeling that, okay, hopefully I did make a difference in somebody's <clears throat> life. And it's so wonderful when kids come back to see you after a few years. And, and usually it's maybe the kids that you had a problem with and they'll mm-hmm. come back to see you and it's, <clears throat> it's wonderful.
0: I'm having a, having a flashback to something and also something just hit me hard. Well, I always wanted to be a school teacher because of a lady who was our biology teacher. And you're not going to believe what her name was. What was her name? Beth
1: Gladden.
0: Oh. <laughs> I, I just made that connection <laughs> right now. And it was just like a cold chill. I got chill bumps <laughs> right now. Hit me. Because there were three things I wanted to be. Because of Mrs. Gladden, I wanted to be a school teacher. Then later, because of the influence of a Baptist minister, I wanted to be a minister. And then I wanted to be a trial lawyer, uh-huh. and um, uh, Mrs. Blee out at Charlotte Blee out of TCC had me do these aptitude tests yes. that veterans could do. Yes. And she said you should go into sales. <laughs> I said no way. She said sure because now you're teaching, you're preaching, you're persuading. Yes. And she was right. That's And I went true. back many times and thanked her for that. But also the same thing with. Uh, with Mrs. Gladden over in Holmes County <laughs> High School. <laughs> it just hit me. That's amazing. I, that is it's
1: amazing. It's, <laughs> it's like, amazing. Wow, I never made the connection.
0: <laughs> so so when you when you moved up here, went to school you started teaching. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit more about your personal life. You got married.
1: I got married when I was 20 years old. Um, I actually went to Florida State for two and a half years. During one of the summers, I met my husband down in Miami at a summer job. And we just decided we just could not be apart. And we wanted to get married. So I did all this investigating into what other school offered my degree And so forth, and so that's how I ended up at Barry College, which is now Barry University. What
0: did what your husband was Barry also? He yes. What did he do?
1: He was at the time working for uh, it was called Retail Credit Company. Now Mm -hmm. now it's Equifax, Mm -hmm. and he did insurance investigations and that type of work. And uh, he was six years older than me, so he had already you know he had finished college. He actually went to a year of law school, decided that wasn't for him, and then ended up. Um, in the position where he was so uh, when we met with me being still in school I didn't you know I I had a goal I, I wanted to get my degree and you know wanted to teach so we worked it out and I look back now and I think I got married when I was 20 years old and at the time I did not think that was young but now I think ooh, that's pretty young to get married <laughs> but we knew, we knew it it was that's what we wanted and we went from there. So.
0: And, it, and it worked.
1: It worked. It worked.
0: It worked. Absolutely. So let's fast forward. We talked during lunch a little bit about his passing, mm-hmm. his death. Share with us what happened there. And then I would like you to elaborate on some of the things we talked about earlier. Because okay. so many people listening to this, they, they, have, they have lost a loved one because of cancer, heart attack, something. And I just thought that what you shared with Jay and me earlier would be so helpful.
1: Okay. Um, Barry had, uh, he was 49. He had some bad family history. He had had rheumatic fever in the past. Um, perhaps not some good choices of smoking for part of his life. But um, he was rolling along. He was in a sort of a high-stress job, but he liked it. And he had a heart attack in January of 97. Uh, was kind of what they called at the time a, a silent heart attack. Uh, kind of not all the brutal symptoms or anything, but um, the damage had been caused. And um, they decided not to do stents, not to do bypass, but instead to put him on medications. Um, and at the time, the doctors were touting the medications as just miraculous. So he was on those medications. He was doing very, very well. He had cut back a little bit on his stress. Um, Everything was rolling along just fine. And uh, one night, I remember the week, it was in April because it was the day, it was that week that you have secretary's day, office administrator's day. And we had gone out to dinner and we were both kind of on a, you know, watching weight, watching food very carefully. So we had this very nutritious dinner. And we came home and um, I think I was in one room watching television, he loved to read. That was his de-stressor, he loved to read. So he would go into another room and read. And that night um, he had a heart attack, Um, called 911. They came, um, by the time we got to the hospital, uh, he was gone. At the time, my son was 17. He just happened to be home that night that that happened. So he was the one who actually called 911. Um, and that began days of just truly not even remembering everything. I have people to this day who will say, do you remember this? Do you remember you said that? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Because I guess your brain just just turns certain things off. Um, when that happened, it I felt like half of me had been removed. So if you've ever lost a spouse, that's what it's like. Half of you is just gone. You don't have that person anymore. It, it's indescribable and I don't think anyone knows what it's like unless you've been through it.
0: Let's talk about that. We were talking earlier about things that all of us have done, we mean well, But sometimes we say stupid stuff. So I want to spend a moment on that because this could help a lot of people. I know a very dear friend, Marilyn, helped me with this. When people come up to you and they say, I understand how you feel. You just touched on it right there.
1: Uh, It's the intent is always good. Uh, I believe people, they care about you. They want to comfort you. Yes. And honestly, I think the main trouble is people don't know what to say. They just don't know. So they'll say, I know how you feel. And at the time, you're in such emotional turmoil. You're thinking to yourself, no, you don't. You don't know how I feel. But you also know, and I think it takes a little time and perspective to get to the point of saying, you know what? They really cared. That's why they said that to me. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I didn't take it that way. And if you've ever been through a situation like this, people say all kinds of things to you, but with all with good intent. But you're thinking, (coughs) what,
0: what? So so coach us on what we should consider saying, Beth.
1: My thought is, and always have been, simply say, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, I care about you. That that's all. You don't need to expound upon any sort of uh, principle that you know that you think is you know this is the way it's supposed to be. And like just, he's in a
0: better place. This kind of right, stuff. Right? No, hear. because anyway, at the time,
1: that does not help. Right. It does not help. Just, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry.
0: <coughs> I'm going to add to that, and that is, don't start telling your story about your life. The person's already having right. enough stress. They don't need to hear. About your friend exactly. or something you experienced. Exactly. Unless they welcome that.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I think you need to take signals from the grieving individual. Explain, know, explain that a little more. I think, you you know, if they want you to talk about your situation, then I think they're probably going to ask, you know, did, did you go through this? Did, did you feel this way? But You know, things like that. Otherwise, I think you just keep keep your own story to yourself.
0: Right. I believe that you should ask, I I did this last night at dinner with a lady whose husband died 14 months ago. I just asked her, I said, I can tell that's painful. Do you want to discuss that or not? She said, I would love to talk about it because I don't have anyone to talk with. Yes. And I just listened. I bet she talked for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then she says, oh my, I've been done in a conversation. I said, I got two good ears.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I bet I didn't say 10 words in, in 20 minutes. Yeah. But she just—all this was coming out. Yes.
1: You know? But what a wonderful thing you did for her, though, because and a lot of people. I've also found a lot of people don't want to hear about it. You know, it's it's a it's a sad thing. A lot you know, of people don't want to hear about it.
0: I say I haven't thought of that because of the work that Jay and I do, we we're here every day helping people to have yes. been through that. So I haven't. I've I've not thought about that. But I guess that's true, isn't it? So yes. people don't want to hear it.
1: Correct, and people are thinking well, don't dwell on that. You know, you need to just move on. And it's like sometimes you need to dwell on it. You need to work through it uh, before you can move on.
0: The closest I've come to that was when my brother committed suicide in 1982. We were close. That that hurt. Oh, yes. And people would say things, some people would say things like, well, you know, since he took his own life, you know, that's not good from a you know religious standpoint and all this stuff. And I, I just wanted to just grab him by the throat and say, are you kidding me?
1: Yes. I'm, I'm hurting here. Yes.
0: Leave me. And the next closest I can even imagine was our son was in a car accident and I flew back from California. He was in uh, ICU, could, could have died at any moment. But, I, but I've never lost a spouse. And I have no clue how that would feel. I'm divorced, so I understand how it feels in the sense of not having that relationship mm-hmm. that way it was. But I think you're right, though. I think it's truly a matter of we are uncomfortable Therefore, yes. we don't know what to say. Correct. I'm, I've been doing this for 45 years. I've delivered many, many checks to men and women because their spouses died. And I still find it difficult. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just have to say, I am so sorry. Yes. What can I do to help? Yes. I had a guy one time, this was funny. He said, do you really mean that? I said, yes. He said, would you please run to the cleaners and pick up the laundry for me? And I said, which cleaners? And it was mine, Blue, blue Ribbon. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm thinking, that's an insignificant thing, but to him it was a big it deal. It was a
1: big deal. And I think sometimes yeah. when you say, uh, call me if I can do anything, chances are people are not going to call be. you. But if <clears throat> you say, you know what, I'm going to bring some lasagna over on Wednesday night you know, for you, for your family. Or I'm going to come pick you up and we're going to go get a cup of coffee tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's better to do that, because then, because that's human nature. You just like I don't want to call. I don't want to impose. Right. You know, I don't want to do
0: that. Marilyn, uh, her name's Marilyn Stallworth. In case you folks want to listen to another podcast on this theme, she she taught me that. She said instead of saying "Call me if I can do something," look and see if there's something you know needs to be done or could be done, right. and just do it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or send a card later. Yes, she taught me a lot. Yeah. yeah, she's been a friend and a, and a client mm-hmm. for I don't know how long, just probably 1980, 81, something like that. But you learn a lot from people if you just listen and get yes, to know them. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. A lot. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I just think that, that that is such a story that that we, we had two men in here three weeks ago, I think it was now. It might have been two weeks ago. Both had lost their wives. And most times it's no way around. We see, we see that the husband died first. In this case, yes. both of the ladies had died first.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? Unusual.
0: It is. <clears throat> so let's talk a little bit about the change that you had to go through. That I can't even imagine being 43 years old with a 17-year-old son. Your husband dies. And you shared with us a little bit earlier about how you took some time off of work, mm-hmm. but yet you went back to work. That appealed to me because that's what I did when my brother died. I worked through the grief by getting, I worked harder. Yes. Harder than ever before because I had to work through it. So talk a little bit about what was your motivation? Why did you go back when you were going back to deal with little kids again?
1: Well, I think I craved (coughs) normalcy. Everything had been so abnormal for so many weeks and such turmoil and everything was upside down. And I craved normalcy. And for me, that was going back and being with my kids (laughs) in my classroom and dealing with them. And and, your teachers. Yes, and my teacher network. And that's what I wanted to do. Even though, you know, people said, oh, it's too soon. You don't need to go back. But I really did need to go back. And it turned out to be a good decision. And um, that first day back, you know, that was an emotional day. Lots of hurdles. And It's just, you know, okay, but once that day was over, okay, I'm back. It's normal, um, you know, or as the new normal, I guess you could say, but certainly normal in my profession, in my working world.
0: Let's dig deeper into that. I keep that heart-shaped pillow there to remind me of my heart surgery, triple bypass, Mm -hmm. June 10th, 2008. And I remember the guy in the room next to mine was angry. He was cussing at the nurse's. And uh, the doctor asked me, he said, the, the guy next door had the same procedure you had, almost identical. Would you mind inviting him to walk with you and you go down the hall? I would be happy to. I was talking the door and ask him to join me. Why would I do that? Blank to blank, blank, cussing. And, and it hit me just now because of what you're saying from the standpoint of you have a choice, and you touch those while we're having lunch, that you can be bitter. You can say, why me? Woe is me, or you can reach outside of yourself to other people. And I suspect that what I know about you by going back to school, helping the kids was your normal. Yes, and it helped you tremendously to get back in that environment,
1: tremendously because
0: you're around a positive influence yes. instead of sitting at home and getting in this downward spiral. Yes,
1: because I think you can. <laughs> when you go through something like that, you do have a choice. Um, you know, are you gonna continue on? And yeah, life is different, but you're gonna move forward in, in a direction, hopefully that's gonna be a positive thing, or you can become reclusive. You can uh, just kind of spiral down and, and keep yourself away from the rest of the world. And I think I'm just, I'm not naturally like that and when you think about the choice that you have, to me, there was only one choice, and that was to, you know, keep I wrote, going.
0: I wrote this down. There's a quote from you earlier. You said you could curl up in a ball or you could go out and enjoy your friends mm-hmm. and your family.
1: Yeah, and, and I chose. I did not curl up in a ball. It would have been easy to do, and, you know, there were some days when you just think, I just can't face the world, <coughs> and I think that's perfectly normal to have days like that, but if if you're constantly making progress toward um, this, this new life that you have, you know, I think that's, that's the best outcome you can have from that.
0: Why did you retire so young? You retired at 62.
1: I did. You
0: have plenty of energy still. Why did you retire?
1: <laughs> well, I started teaching when I was 21, and uh, I went through uh, Florida Retirement System and then ended up in the DROP program And so, 62, that was it. And I was done. And I actually felt okay with that. I was, you know, they always say, you know, when it's time to retire. And I wasn't, I was not one of the people who people say, she should retire. You know, I didn't (laughs) want to be one of those.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, you didn't want to stay too long is what you're saying. Exactly. Do you want to
1: overstay my welcome? Um, But I went out with a good feeling about my career, but I also acknowledge the need for new blood. Young, mm. Younger people, yes. you know, come in and, and do your thing and be fantastic. And that's the next generation of educators, so.
0: So you created your succession plan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, one of the things that I've always been, uh, I admire about teachers, and I go back to teachers that made a difference in my life in high school, is that the thousands of people thousands of people that you indirectly, if not directly, Mm -hmm. appeal to and help. Because directly would be the students, but the things, the choices they make later in life is tens of thousands of people you've had an impact on.
1: Yes, and the really exciting thing for me is when I left teaching, when I retired, the (laughs) person who took my place had actually interned with me. Mm many years ago. She had taught for a while and then stopped to have her children and then was ready to enter the profession again. So you hired just, your replacement. I hired my <laughs> replacement, which was what my principal did. <clears throat> that is funny. <laughs> so that that just <laughs> thrilled me. It's like full circle. Yes. <laughs> you know, So it's great.
0: I wonder how often that actually gets to happen where you know who's taking your place with your students. That's yeah, pretty cool. It, it
1: doesn't always happen. This was just a coincidences that just connected and, you know, I knew I was leaving and the young lady I'm talking about, she had been substituting where I'd been teaching. I didn't know she was subbing there and she came and found me one afternoon and she said, you know, I'm thinking of of getting back into teaching and I'm like, you're kidding. Let me tell you. <laughs> and it just all just worked.
0: In the military, we call that drafting and strong arming, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so take me from, from the time you retired, 62. Uh, you're, you're, you just turned 66. So you are you're, you're still full of energy. <laughs> so talk about what have you been doing these four years in retirement, and what do you see going forward, say, for the next 10 years?
1: Well, I am thoroughly enjoying sleeping late <laughs> because I always had to get up so early when I taught. I love not having too much structure in my day. Mm-hmm. But enough structure that um, you know, on two days a week, I'll go to a Zumba class, or on once a week, I'll meet friends for lunch, um, and just just so you have enough of a schedule, but I don't want to be overloaded. I don't. I don't. I want to feel the freedom of retirement.
0: Let's expand on that because a lot of people listening to this are going to be, be people who've retired recently, and some who've been retired for a long time. So some are going to be like, wow, I don't know what to do. I have nothing Mm -hmm. to do. I'm sitting here in front of the television getting frustrated with stuff. Then you have others who are like, I'm bored. I need to go find Mm -hmm. some interest. So let's talk about that for a moment. When you say enough activity that you're not bored but not too structured, can you elaborate on that? Right. Well, I'm
1: the type of person where I, I don't have the need to be running and jumping and busy every second. I can be content reading a book. So, That's a big um,
0: word, by the way, content.
1: Yeah, and and I can be content taking a walk around my neighborhood. Um, I can be content uh, taking a little day trip to the beach, and you, you have the freedom of doing that. I, I love it when uh, you go to the dentist and they say, what time can you come in? I can come in anytime because I'm retired, <laughs> and I love that. But I know some people need more, and if you need more, there's a lot of things you can do. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities. There's volunteering, there's uh, activities, you know, at senior centers and things like that. So it's kind of, you make your own uh, day. You make your own schedule. I'm not sure that one thing that works for one person would work for everyone. You have to sort of customize that.
0: Sure, because some people like to volunteer. Yes. Others like to go to the gym. to just, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking two guys right now, they're doing they love doing woodwork yes they got yes. their, their little mm-hmm. shops and they're doing right. all kind of stuff right that's fun so
1: I think but you need to tailor it to yourself you can't be like everybody else
0: we were talking earlier you said you like if you've done some travel you'd like to do some more mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit where are some of the places you'd like to go
1: I would like to go back to California, do the Napa Valley region. I'd like to see Chicago. I'd like to see Seattle. I'd like to see San Antonio, Texas. Um, I just there's there's a lot of places in the United States that, or if I've been there, I went there as a kid, and I frankly probably took it for granted and didn't pay attention because <laughs> I was little. Um, but I would like to go back and and just. Uh, not really have a schedule. you not say, okay, I have three days to see this place, you know, when you're retired, hopefully you have a little freedom there. Well, I'm gonna go here, I'm gonna go there. Um, you know, well, let's extend it a day if we want. You know, it's, it's just really nice to have that freedom.
0: Now, are you the kind of person that when you travel, you like to go by yourself or you like to have tours? How do you do that?
1: Um, I like to go with somebody. And, you know, there's, I do have, um, well, I have friends, still friends from college. And I have my teacher network and, uh, you know, going with them is fun. Sometimes a a girl's, you know, week to somewhere is a lot of fun. So Nice. Yeah, it's good. Friend, friends are one of the most valuable things you can have. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'd say second only to family. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So tell us about the story uh, of where you were chaperoned for kids in New York city. This kind of uh-huh. caught my ear. So tell me about Well, this.
1: I chaperoned twice. <clears throat> it was great. We loved it. We took the kids to shows. Uh, we went to the empire state building, but I was chaperoning a group and my little group was four or five students. And, uh, we were in Times Square in New York City and many of them had not really traveled much so I was like don't talk to anybody you stick right with me do not wander off and the whole trip was a lot of counting heads on the bus to make sure we had not left anyone so it was it was interesting I'd like to go back to New York as an adult to, to so I don't have to count heads every second and just do that it would be fun
0: All right. I thought that was an interesting story because I think we've all, uh, whether it be Boy Scouting, Girl Scouts, doing something, you've had to count heads, make sure you don't lose someone's kid. (laughs) You're like, whoops. If it's my kid, maybe I wouldn't want to lose them. I don't know. Exactly. All
1: right.
0: So talk about the future. What is... uh, what do you see as your future? You're not going to sit around doing do nothing. That, so. no, I know that.
1: No, I would like to travel some more, as we mentioned. Um, I like what I'm doing now. I like you know, taking the Zumba classes, and I like reading, and I like getting together with friends. And I, I would say, going back to content, I'm pretty content with my life right now. I downsized to a, a smaller new house three and a half years ago. Um, I love it. Um I don't have yard maintenance. I'm not a yard girl, so I don't garden or anything like that. But there again, that's an option when you're retired. Um, I think if life can stay sort of the way it is right now, my life, it would be great. I'm looking forward to eventually, hopefully having grandchildren. I haven't experienced that yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Looking forward to that. Um, Hopefully... Staying relatively healthy and, uh, you know, able to enjoy things that go on and um, that just, uh, you know, feeling that life is good.
0: That sounds like a promising future. <laughs> Do you ever feel the urge to go back into the workforce, even on a part-time basis?
1: Um, I don't really. And I've, everybody says, well, why don't you substitute teach? Well, frankly, those people they deserve a whole lot more money than they make because substitute teaching is difficult. And
0: elaborate difficult. It's How difficult because
1: that? kids automatically challenge a substitute teacher. That's that's the way of the world. They do. However, if you can, and I know some people who've done this, if you can sub for one or two certain teachers hmm. when they're out at a certain school, so
0: they get to know the you. kids
1: get to know you. And so that is a better kind of a deal, but I'm I kind of I'm I'm not there yet. I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't rule it out for the future, but right now, you know, I'm I'm kind of good with with where I am and what I'm doing.
0: Well, you're financially secure because you made good choices with your planning for retirement. So you have no pressure to have to work at all. So if right. you want to go to work, you go because you truly right. want to. Mm-hmm. So we talked about earlier, purpose on a paycheck. So mm-hmm. if it's something you enjoy doing, go do it. Otherwise, yeah. Yeah. Do it. for me, I, I get people ask me almost every day now, are, are you retired or when would you retire? Why would I retire? I yeah. love what I'm doing, but yeah. I have the ability to take time off when I want to. Yes. And plan ahead for stuff. Uh, but I, and my, my deal is as long as I'm healthy and I'm relevant and people want me, I'm going to keep working. But I'm not mm-hmm. going to work as much as I have in the past. Right. Take time out and do the things I want to do, travel, yeah. do things like that.
1: I think you should work. I think people should work as long as they want to work, as long as they can work. If that's important to you and that makes your life good, then that's what you should do. Whereas, you know, everybody's different. I don't think you can do a blanket thing for anybody on retirement. Everybody is different. I
0: agree totally. I, I even ask people, they say, well, I want to prepare for my retirement. Well, what does retirement look like? They struggle with that. So what the first thing we'll do is let's talk about your vision of retirement. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have something to retire to, you're not going to be happy in retirement. Right. And the saddest thing I see is we'll have somebody come in, they're angry at work, they can't stand to go to work. And they're not really retiring to something; they're retiring from, from. something, and they're miserable. And I got news for yes. you: if you're miserable at work, you're probably going to be miserable in mm-hmm. retirement.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because that's okay. just that's just that's just inside you. Yes. And you got to find yes. a way to substitute that anger yeah. or that frustration for something that gives you joy. If not, I don't think you're going to have a good retirement.
1: I I agree. I agree. Fortunately for me, uh, in the last four almost four and a half years. Um, my elderly mother was also ill and in a nursing home and very bad dementia. And so being retired enabled me to leave and go see her for a week. Uh, you know, she was down in South Florida. Uh, whereas if I had been working, I wouldn't have been able to do that. So that, that helped me during that period of time. I felt like at least I could do that. I couldn't necessarily do a lot for her because of her condition, but I could be there. Mm -hmm. And that was important
0: to me. Very important. And you had the time to do it. Yes. I like to talk about four freedoms. Time freedom, money freedom, relationship freedom, and location freedom. And if we get our act together in all those areas, then we can be more content and more at peace and not feeling pressured or frustrated. Yeah. Good. All right. So um, I'm looking at the clock there. I can't believe this has been 31 minutes here. (laughs) So what advice would you leave with the people that are listening from the standpoint of from your personal experiences, things that you've learned along the way, what advice would you offer us?
1: Uh, I think it's, I think you have to look at the future, you have to look at reality as far as your your finances and things like that. You can't leave it to chance and I was almost forced into looking the future when I was quite a bit younger than retirement age because of the death of my husband. And really that's how a lot of this started almost inadvertently planning for the future, which which turned out to be very beneficial. Um, I've received great advice on that. Um, I think you, you can't wait. I think everybody's concern at, at this age or close to retirement is, am I going to be okay? You know, do I have enough to get me through and so forth. And um, it's, it adds a huge element of, I guess, serenity to life when you know that you're okay financially. um, You know, for the most part. I mean, you know, yes, things happen and so forth. But I, it sounds strange, but I almost feel fortunate that I went through some of these experiences in my early forties, because I might not be in as good of a situation as I am now had I not gone through that. That sounds a little strange, but
0: <laughs> I don't think it's strange at all. I think it's a situation where we learn more from the negative things if mm-hmm. we stop and we become a good student. Yeah, and it helps us redirect. Uh, it's just sad and tragic that you mm-hmm. that you you lost Barry the way you did with this heart attack, but but. You know, you said it earlier, and I, I don't think I wrote it down verbatim, but the gist of it, you said you have to be strong, you have to live life, and go on.
1: Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. Mm-hmm. You do. You do.
0: And I think that all of us are going to have ups and downs in life. It's how we deal with them.
1: Right. Yeah. And at your day, there will be many days, if you experience something like this, or the loss of anyone, or some sort of major life event, uh, not every day is going to be wonderful. It right. isn't. I mean, right. life life is not that way. But uh, I think if you have a an outlook that all right, this this is a crummy day, but I'm going to get through it, and tomorrow's a new day, and you know I'm going to move on. And you, it's almost a mindset that you have to acquire after going through some of this.
0: Yes, yeah, you're. Um your role as a teacher and loving the kids, one of the biggest things that would made impact on my life, I'm a Shriner, was going to this one of the Shriner's hospitals down in Tampa. And I walked in, and you see these kids that have uh, had amputations, all kind of problems. Yeah. And you're sitting there like, oh, my God, I feel so sorry for that person. And they'll come right over to you and say, hey, Mr. Shriner, how you doing? <laughs> you know, thank you. And next thing you know, I'm down on my hands and knees playing with them. <laughs> I left there, not sad, but full of energy and was mm-hmm. proud of what we did and the fundraising we did because they 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 were grateful. Yes, they had lost an arm or a leg or whatever, but you know what? They didn't give up. And every time I see those commercials looking for yes. fundraising on television, yeah. uh, I, my heart just swells because, mm-hmm. you know, we all have problems. They got big problems.
1: That's right.
0: But they don't let it keep them down. Right. And then I see people when I go on honor flights. I see people in their 80s and 90s still going strong. It's just I love seeing that. So you got the two mm-hmm. ends of the spectrum, do you know, the, the little kids, and then there's older folk that we can all learn from if we yes. choose to, or we yes. can, or we can get angry with the world, go suck our thumb, curl up in that ball like you said, and be angry. Right.
1: Which is really yeah. not. Not productive, and it's it's a it's a not a constructive use of energy. Negative energy. It just it's just not constructive. Well, it Just tears us down. Yes.
0: Beth, thank you so much for this. Beth Gladden. I, this has been uh, delightful. Thank you so much. You're
1: welcome. Thank you.
2: If you'd like to know more about John Curry services, you can request a complimentary information package by visiting johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Again, that is johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Or you can call his office at 850-562-3000. Again, that is 850-562-3000. John H. Curry, Chartered Life Underwriter, Charter Financial Consultant, Accredited Estate Planner, Master's in Science and Financial Services, Certified in Long-Term Care, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Securities Products and Services and Advisory Services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, a registered broker dealer and investment advisor. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial Corporation is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities. Park Avenue Securities is a member of FINRA and SIPC. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this material, we are not undertaking to provide investment advice for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact one of our financial professionals for guidance and information specific to your individual situation. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents or employees, do not provide legal, tax or accounting advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant and/or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Not affiliated with the Florida Retirement System. The Living Balance Sheet and the Living Balance Sheet logo are registered service marks of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Copyright 2005 to 2020. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Security or guardian and opinion stated are their own. 2020-96203. Expiration March 2022.